0: What's up? This is Makad Brooks. I'm playing James the Bridge Olsen. That's right. And you are listening to Supergirl Radio. Supergirl Radio. Super, 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 super,
1: super supergirl radio.
0: The Saturn Award nominations are released. Supergirl gets more merchandise. And we discuss solitude. This This is Supergirl Supergirl Radio. Radio. Radio, your source for all things related to CBS's Supergirl TV
1: series and the character of Kara Zorrell. I'm Rebecca Johnson. My name is Carly Lane, and in this episode of the podcast, we're going to talk about the season one episode of the show titled Solitude. But before we get to our discussion, we have the news.
0: The Saturn Awards have announced their 2016 nominees, and Supergirl is among them in several categories. The show is nominated for Best Superhero Adaptation Series on television. Melissa Benoist is nominated for Best Actress in a Television Series. Callista Flockhart is nominated for Best Supporting Actress on a Television Series. And Laura Benanti is nominated for Best Guest Performance on a Television Series. So congratulations to the show and everybody who works on it, and especially to all these nominees. So it's great to see all these ladies get nominated for their performances. Yeah,
1: And Supergirl is getting some more merchandise! Yay! (laughs) (laughs) This one I'm really excited about, Funko, has added Supergirl alongside Power Girl, Firestorm, Cyborg, and Black Manta to the DC Pop final line. According to Toy News International, we can look for these to be released in May 2016. Yeah, and these
0: are not, as, as far as I can tell, they're not based on Melissa Benoist, because the costume's a little different but they're super adorable and I kind of want to start I've I've kind of amassed a little bit of a pop Funko collection I have two of them I have a Maleficent old school Maleficent not Angelina Jolie Maleficent I have to make that very clear because they're two totally different characters um and then I, I I just recently bought a Batman v Superman uh Nightmare Batman who is so cute I can't stand it um so I may have to pick up this Supergirl uh pop vinyl she looks really good
1: yeah, she's more like classic Kara, yeah. like com- comics Kara than yeah. than TV Kara. Yeah,
0: yeah, she has those cute little boots with the uh, the yellow lining on them. So yeah, that's that's super adorable. And I love that she's in a line with Black Manta because I was actually just uh, <laughs> laughing with a friend of mine over you know saying Black Manta. It was a w- weird day. We were just like <laughs> Black Manta. It's really fun to say. Um, so I might have to pick up that Black Manta too. Um, So in other toy news, uh, Mattel will be introducing a Supergirl figure in the multiverse line. And this one will be based on Melissa Benoist. ComicsAlliance.com doesn't think we'll see Supergirl's figure until the fall, unfortunately. But keep an eye out for it because this is in the works. And I'm actually really excited about this, too, because I have some of the multiverse figures in the uh, Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice Batfleck uh, vein. So I'm I'm am hoping to <laughs> add Melissa Benoist's Supergirl to that because she this looks really good too.
1: Yeah, it's very close. I mean, I would say this is probably the best one I've seen so far that looks most like her TV character. Yeah, they really
0: nailed the costume, the, the boots. Yeah, the, the boots, the colors, even the the belt um, on the the skirt looks really, really, really good. And even the, her likeness to Melissa Benoist, you can tell that that's who that is. So looks really good. Very excited.
1: And the animated Lego movie called Justice League Cosmic Clash is now out on DVD, Blu-ray, and digital HD. The story features Supergirl, Brainiac, and the Legion of Superheroes.
0: (laughs) Which is very fitting because some of the things that we're going to talk about in Solitude have to do with Supergirl, Brainiac, and the Legion of Superheroes. Um, So, I saw a little bit of some clips in the trailer to this Justice League Cosmic Clash, and it looks adorable. These Lego movies are so cute, so look out for that and uh, check it out if you get a chance. Well, let's get into our discussion of the Season 1 Supergirl episode titled Solitude. And here's the official description by CBS. Quote, Kara travels to Superman's Fortress of Solitude in hopes of learning how to defeat Indigo a dangerous being who can transport via the internet and who has a connection to Kara's past, unquote. So, Carly, since this episode was titled Solitude, we have to talk about the Fortress of Solitude. So what did you think about this version of it and Kara and James's trip to go get information from it?
1: Super exciting. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't, I mean, I'm familiar with The Fortress from other adaptations of Superman. Um, And it was really cool how... I I like that they didn't necessarily feel like they had to go to kind of those mainstays of the Superman canon like super early. I mean, this is, what, episode 15? And we're kind of now finally starting to get more into Kara tapping into some of those things. So I liked all those and like some of those little Easter eggs that we get... Um, when she, when she goes with James, which was also kind of hilarious. I'm like, I wonder if Clark knows that she's, <laughs> yeah. if kal knows that she's like kind of, you know, getting in there now. Cause I guess she, there's a line that she says where he, he's been trying to get her to go there for a long time and she kept turning him down cause she didn't, she didn't really want to.
0: Yeah. That was kind of sad. Cause she, she said it was, it would make her homesick. Yeah. Yeah um well what were you familiar with about the fortress of solitude before this
1: um mostly i mean i i i don't remember the name of like the little the name of the little krypton robot i remembered him from the uh from the uh man of steel yeah he was in man of steel right yeah so that was a nice little a nice little nod to the movie um but mostly just from, like, other TV shows. Like, I remembered it being in Smallville a little right. bit. And then, you know, the Superman movies that I have some vague recollections of. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, I mean, I caught, I caught a couple little things here and there. But I'm sure you probably picked up on more than I did.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, my f- two favorite versions of The Fortress of Solitude are the one in which I think this is in the comics. But you also see a little bit in the DC animated universe, like Justice League Unlimited. Um, where you sometimes in the fortress, you actually have to go underwater in order to get to the entrance, which is kind of clever because you know that's that's a real struggle in the cold to go through icy waters <laughs> in order to get to the entrance. So that's actually kind of smart for Superman. Um, so I I really like that version of this the Fortress of Solitude, and I also really love the Man of Steel Fortress of Solitude because it's so different. Like it's still a way for Superman to get away, but it's kind of reimagined, and I like that a lot. And, yeah, it is fi- kind of fun to see the Kryptonian robots. We've seen Kellex before. He was in for the girl who has everything, but it's nice to know that he is actually on Earth because we saw him on Krypton. That's right, so, yeah. So somehow he got to Earth. Not sure exactly how. Maybe he came in uh, Kal-El's pod not real sure, but uh, it was kind of fun to know that if Kara has questions, if if the Allura AI is not going to be a thing anymore, maybe she can go to Kellex and um, get some information from him. But yeah, the this Fortress of Solitude, I was laughing at myself because when I was live tweeting the episode, when they got to the Fortress, I was kind of like, what no giant key to the Fortress of Solitude. And then like (laughs) five seconds later, she picked up the giant key and I freaked out. Cause in the comics, that is a thing that Superman has for the Fortress of Solitude. It's this big giant key that he literally uses like it's a key into a door. And so (laughs) I was laughing because that is such a great thing to pull out of the comics because it's such a goofy thing but if you can make it a legitimate thing on the TV show, it's actually really fun. So I liked seeing that. And, yeah, there were a lot of really cool things inside the Fortress. Once they got in, we saw, you know, Kal-El's pod, which I think is Kara's pod just repurposed. Because when I went to the WB Studio Tour back in January, I think they were shooting this episode because we saw kind of the back of the the icy uh, uh-huh. cavern. And, um. And then they also said that Kara's ship was missing from the DEO. So I think they just took Kara's ship out of the DEO and put it in the fortress. That's that's <laughs> what I'm speculating. They repurposed the ship so they don't have to make two of them. But uh, I thought that was cool that we saw his pod in there. And we did see a Legion of Superheroes ring, which, is also, uh, which was also hinted at in The Flash. So I'm curious as to whether or not the... Legion ring will be somehow a way to connect to the Flash and Supergirl. I don't know if there's going to be time travel involved, I don't know. So it was really interesting that the superheroes uh, the Legion of Superheroes ring was in there.
1: Yeah, I feel like that shot was very deliberate cuz they link they give you a close up of it. Like they you know, you they see her you see her looking at it and then the camera cuts to a very deliberate close up of that ring. So I they and they don't do anything on that show that is, you know, a, a casual, like, <laughs> I mean, I'm sure they were like, oh, let's just sort of put this in there, but I, it's obviously going to foreshadow something at some point. Like, they're not going to put it in there. as just some random background prop.
0: Yeah, so it's one of those things where the camera's almost, like, screaming at you, like, look at this. Notice <laughs> not even... this. Um, so, yeah, it could be just that they wanted to put an Easter egg in there, but since it was on the Flash as well, I'm curious to see uh, if we'll see that again. And Supergirl does have some ties to the Legion of Superheroes, so I'm wondering if sometime in the future she will actually put one of those rings on. So we'll we'll see what happens with that. One of the things that I liked about this little trip to the Fortress of Solitude is that there is mention that Supergirl can fly faster than Superman. <laughs> yes. that, that was another thing that made me really geek out because that is comic book accurate um we talked about that on supergirl radio in uh the trade paperback supergirl power by jeff loeb batman actually makes mention that he thinks supergirl's powers might actually surpass superman's and even on smallville you see that kara she's called Kara on that show she can fly before clark and she can do other things a little better than clark because on the show they justify it as oh girls mature faster than boys um, so it was fun to see that in there. So were you surprised by
1: by the fact that Supergirl might be faster than Superman? I thought that was delightful. Um, <laughs> the one thing that I was wondering after, when I, after the show ended, I was thinking about it a little bit. I wonder if it has anything to do with the fact that Kara was older than Kal-El when she was sent to Earth. I don't know why, but I feel like maybe that has something to do with it but maybe not i don't know. that could just be me no i think I'm that's too much into it but um because technically she is older than clark sort of. i mean i don't know i don't know if like Krypton, like what the age you know how you how you do the math from like kryptonian <laughs> versus eight i mean earth years because technically i guess if she hadn't been caught in the phantom zone she would be older than Clark Yes, if they had wound up on Earth at the same time. So right. that's that kind of leads me to wonder if, if that contributed to her abilities and her being faster and maybe also being a little bit stronger in her ability than Clark slash Kal-El.
0: Yeah, I think that is a good part of it, that she would be older and, you know, all that stuff about how, you know, the exposure to the sun affects them. So maybe her being older had a different effect with the sun as opposed to him when you know he first was exposed to the yellow sun when he was a a baby so maybe uh, maybe that comes into play so I think that's a a good guess so let's talk about the kind of the big bad in the episode we got our first introduction to indigo uh, which I was really excited about because I'm a Laura Van Vort fan and I was pumped about seeing some Supergirl versus versus Supergirl action in this episode. So what did you think about how Indigo was introduced and uh, how she was
1: portrayed as a character? It's interesting because I wasn't familiar with her from the comics as a character, so I watched the episode, and then, or as I was watching, too, and like during the commercial breaks, I kind of looked up a little bit of information. Um, It's interesting that... She has connections to Brainiac and and all of that. It's also interesting, too, that it looks, at least to me from when I was looking in the comics, that her character almost is drawn looking a little bit younger and less mature. And then you get Laura (laughs) Laura Vandervoort in this episode who clearly had a blast portraying this character. (laughs) Like, you can just tell she was delighting in getting to be this wicked villain um, who had some pretty, like, naughty lines. <laughs> it was <really> so, <laughs> I was very surprised, especially in those scenes with Nan. I was like, Yeah, oh, this is a... She's getting she's getting away with some stuff. Um, <laughs> but you could just tell it was a lot of fun. Yeah. It, I mean, it was surprising because the look of the character, too. I mean, it, in the comics, like, the color scheme is very similar, but her hair is a little bit different. Like, it's shorter in the comic versus in the TV show. So, it was, it was very interesting, I think. I like that they... There was, like, the nod to Laura having been on Supergirl. Like, you actually got to see her, like, her real face when she was briefly in the computer at the beginning before she came out and started trying to mess with things. Um, But, no, it it was a lot of fun, mostly. I'm excited because they left it up in the air as to whether or not she could come back for more episodes. And it looks like she probably will, so...
0: Yeah, I hope so as well. And I, I think she might do a couple episodes, not sure how many, but I, I, I do think that Nan will probably use her in some way to help this myriad thing go forward. And I, I'm like you. I really enjoyed Lara Van Dort getting to play a villain because I've seen her do that a couple of times. Like on Smallville at the end of season seven, Brainiac sort of overtakes Kara and so you get kind of this brainiac version of Kara, and it's kind of awesome. And she also played sort of a villain turned hero of sorts on V. And she was really good in that role. Uh, Laura Van VanVort's actually one of my favorite things about V, if you if you ever watch. It was only two seasons, and it got canceled, unfortunately. Oh, that's right.
1: Wasn't it that remake of it was. the show? And Marina Baccarin was on it, too? Yes. And yeah, 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 yeah. I vaguely remember
0: that. Yeah, one. no. She she and Marina were really fun together, and they were very good. So, um, unfortunately, it got canceled, but Laura was really good on it. And so it was really fun to see her take on a villainous role again. And... <laughs> I I do think she had a lot of fun, like you can tell, because she she was sort of hamming it up, but in a good way, because, you know, as a villain, you kind of have to, I think. But as far as Indigo, I didn't know much about her either. I knew that she had a connection to Brainiac and that she was referred to as Brainiac 8. We heard that in this episode, so they're keeping that part of her character there. And I liked that we learned that Indigo was connected to Kara in the Phantom Zone, yeah. Because it answered the, the question of, well, what knocked her out of there? How did she get out of the Phantom Zone? So I liked that she, not only did she have this present-day Kryptonian shenanigan thing going on with Nan, <laughs> but we also learned that she had this connection to Kara in the Phantom Zone. Uh, what did you think about all that?
1: Yeah, it's interesting because the in, initially Kara sees like the little indigo symbol and and has that vague memory of having seen it somewhere before. And then you realize the connection is it, it was the symbol that came up on the pod right before she got knocked out of the phantom zone. So it was kind of the first thing that she saw right before, right when she woke up out of that stasis and, and you know, the whole like her pod and Fort Roz and everything came crashing down. So that was interesting. And also, you know, you can, you can tell that when Indigo reveals that information Cara is instantly like very conflicted mm. about it because she's like well you know I I was fortunate enough to not be trapped there but then there was also like some side consequences that <laughs> yeah, yeah. That great so yeah it was it was an it was an interesting little reveal and I'm really curious and hopeful that they'll we'll get to see more of her if not, if not later in the season, then maybe, hopefully, season two? Yeah, definitely
0: more Indigo for as much as we can get her, um, because that was really fun. And I think you're right that she... that Kara was a little conflicted, because even though Kellex calls Indigo the most dangerous prisoner ever sentenced to Fort Roz, which is saying a lot, because some of those aliens are pretty ruthless. Um, but she's still... Indigo is the reason that Kara was on earth and that she didn't have to spend the rest of her life in the phantom zone. So in some respects, I guess Kara owes her one, you know? Yeah. So I, I I thought that was really interesting and Brainiac to me, you know, if people said, well, who's, who's Supergirl's, you know, biggest enemy. And I would probably first say, well, I think it's herself because some of the best Supergirl stories are, her fighting some type of version, you know, mirror image of herself. Mm -hmm. Then the next thing I would probably say is Brainiac, because Brainiac has a lot of ties to Supergirl as a character, and I really kind of hope that they use Indigo as sort of like a Brainiac character, not necessarily the Brainiac that I think most people are familiar with, but you can kind of—I think they could use her in that way, so I I hope that she kind of becomes— more of a <laughs> a really big nemesis for Kara, although I would not be opposed to Kara sort of you know turning her around and winning her over. Maybe they become besties. I don't know. They could play it either way. Um, but I I thoroughly enjoyed getting some history with the the Brainiac clan. Like they threw out stuff like Kalu and all of the ties that you know Brainiac Eight has to Brainiac Five and. And all of that kind of stuff. And and makes me curious because I really like Brainiac 5. Because he's sort of sometimes a love interest for Supergirl. So I'm wondering if we'll ever ever get to see him sometime. I don't know what a Brainiac 8 means for Brainiac 5. Does that mean Brainiac 5 no longer exists? Like, I don't know. But um, I'm hoping we get to see um, Brainy as Supergirl calls him sometimes uh, in the future. And we kind of briefly talked about her interaction with non but what what did you think about the indigo stuff with her trying to basically launch a nuclear attack on earth did did you think that was all tied in together what what non was doing
1: and and all of that myriad stuff i still feel like myriad is going to be way more complicated than just a nuclear attack like i feel like the nuclear attack was just indigo trying to demonstrate how far her reach can be in terms of being able to override technology and like hack into things and ruin people's lives and destroy the world i feel like myriad is way bigger than that because it i mean it's so ominous that even the Alora ai doesn't want to like she's <laughs> she threatens to shut down anytime you mention the word yeah. so it's it's got to be something bigger than that um I, do, I don't feel like what Indigo was doing really tied into that at all. So it'll I, I do feel like Nan's probably going to use her somehow in some way, but I'm just not sure how it's going to play out. I'm, just, I'm very curious to know, though, because I have absolutely no idea what it's going to be, what Mariette is. <laughs> I, don't e- I don't either. So I think that's one of the good mysteries on the show
0: right now is what exactly is all that entailing. So I'm looking forward to that. And I guess since we are talking about Indigo, we should probably talk about her interactions with Wen, Because he was the one who kind of uh, took her down there at the end. So what did you think about all of that?
1: I love his line about, uh, what did he? what was his line about, like, accidentally making a computer virus? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> How do you accidentally make one?
0: <laughs> I don't know. That's a good question.
1: It's like... Uh, they're just like on an off day you're homesick from work and you're like just randomly coding like oh look I just created a terrible virus that's capable (laughs) of destroying like alien technology Um, but no it was funny and then I appreciated uh, Jeremy Jordan's tweet about having to act like he was being choked by the hand in that scene where Indigo reaches through the computer and tries to kill him while he's putting the virus in Um, but I like that he's getting Invol- involved more with the DEO I like seeing Him kind of con- Contribute his skills and his talents Where he can as opposed to Just kind of hanging out in the background Or like hanging up in that abandoned office And at KACO. So that- that's kind of nice That he and I think James to an extent are starting To be more of the team Overall instead of just kind of Kara's team on the side
0: yeah, I agree. I like his interactions at the DEO and think I, I think he is better used there sometimes than at CatCo because CatCo when there's not a lot for him to do, but he could do a lot of stuff at the DEO and he could be very useful. And I'm, I'm glad to see him get some character time. And, and we actually got to see we'll, we'll talk about him and <laughs> Siobhan later. But it, it was nice to see him get some more character stuff on his own. And uh, I I thought it was really fun in a weird, twisted way that, like, Indigo kept trying to kill him all throughout the episode. (laughs) um, But it was nice to see that even with all the stuff Supergirl could do, she could stop a a missile and she could try to fight with Indigo. But it was Wynn who ultimately, I think, stopped her. So I, I thought that was cool to see that his smarts kind of won the day. Well... In this episode, there was this big theme of lies, secrets, and lies everywhere, and I, I, you could see it through all uh, throughout the episode um, in, in different characters and different storylines. Um, so, what did you think about the truth finally coming out between Kara and Alex, and Alex sort of fessing up that she was the one who killed Astra instead of Jean?
1: Oh, I'm I'm just so glad that they didn't drag that on anymore because. It was making me really sad. Every time that Kara was mean to, <laughs> to jean yes. Jones. I was like, oh, but she doesn't know and she's holding it against him. And he's just like bearing it for Alex because he's a good friend slash father figure slash mentor. And so the whole thing was just kind of making me really sad. Um, and then the scene made me really sad, but in a, in a really good cathartic way. <laughs> um, and the, and of course, it's just like it's heartbreaking because you, you're hoping that Kara isn't gonna hold the grudge, and then she hugs Alex. And at first, I thought there was gonna be a group hug moment. Like she, <laughs> she, Kara holds out a hand to John Jones, and then, and then they just kind of hold hands while she's hugging Alex. And I was like, oh, <laughs> it just it. I I'm so glad that we finally got some resolution on that because it would have been really sad if they had dragged it out and. But I like, too, that, you know, they, even Kara realizes that when they're trying to, when she was trying to disarm the missile or the nuclear bomb or whatever it was, um, that working apart, you know, working as, as a team was more important than any kind of personal issues that they were have, maybe having. So it was good that she was kind of starting to come around to that even before Alex really told her the truth but yeah i like i like that the team is back together now
0: <laughs> yeah they they started to realize and at least Kara did that and i think hank did to an extent that they were stronger together as they talked about earlier on in the season so uh and i think you're right that Kara. When she was with James, even though they were trying to figure things out on their own, she talked about missing Wen and Alex. And Alex, even when she's at the DEO with Hank, she, she was like, you know, I sort of miss my sister. I miss Supergirl. So I, I think that they finally realized that they, they need to work together. And, and in order to save the world, sometimes they're going to need to work together. Even though I sort of liked that Supergirl was trying to do things on her own. Um, I know some people who might have problems with Supergirl working with the government. Sometimes that is a bone of contention with people, you know, especially with Superman. That's a a big, big deal. Um, So it was sort of nice to see what she would be like on her own. And and they they did try to get along, you know, uh, Kara and James without the DEO's help. But I I do think it is worth noting that they did kind of complement each other, you know, each other's teams as it were Um, and I I liked the intercutting between the the team of Cara and James and Lucy with the DEO folks Hank and Alex and Wynn so it was kind of neat to see them kind of coming to the same conclusions at the same time and then being able to bring all that information in together Um, as far as Alex telling the truth I'm with you I'm glad that they didn't stretch it out because sometimes that can get really annoying (laughs) yeah Um, but do you do you think it was too quick? Like, did Kara forgive Alex too quickly?
1: Do you think? Well, I mean, Alex explained what had happened, so it wasn't like she just said, "I killed her," and then Kara forgave her. I I was surprised. I think I was a little surprised when Kara. I don't know if she necessarily forgave her right away, but I think the hug was more of a. Maybe she she may not be completely okay with it, but I think she's kind of just letting Alex know that. She's not like Alex she's basically saying, Alex, you're not gonna lose me. Yeah. Um, you know, there might there might be some residual issues from that later on. I mean, she might she might still be upset about it, but I think in that moment it was more of just an assurance to Alex that she wasn't gonna lose her for telling the truth.
0: Yeah, I am of the mind that those times when she was mad at Hank or Jean That was her getting her anger out about the situation. Uh, You know, her grieving over Astra, she was taking that all out on Hank. Mm -hmm. And so I think when she learned the truth about Alex, maybe that anger had sort of dissipated a little bit because she had gotten it out of her system. And so maybe when Alex told her the truth, then she was able to forgive. Um, And I also kind of think, just from my own personal experience, when when I see a loved one or a really close friend of mine crying... I don't care what has happened. I don't care how mad I am at them or how mad they are at me. If one of us is crying, we're probably going to want to hug the other person just because sometimes you just you feel that person needs it, you know, comforting. And so I sort of thought that's what happened with Kara. Like I, I kind of think Kara and Alex are so close that if Kara saw Alex crying like she was cuz I mean Kyler Lee was was killing it. I mean Oh my gosh. She she was she handles that emotional stuff really really well. Yeah. And if I was Kara, I wouldn't want Kyler Lee to cry. <laughs> you know, I would go over there and give her a hug. So I I think it was very character correct for Supergirl for Kara to go over there and and Comfort her sister, um, and and I think it was nice that o- over the course of these episodes, you know, Alex is trying to explain to Kara, you know, this is what soldiers do, this is how soldiers react, and I think maybe over time, after she's gotten that anger out, Kara understands that, you know, she finally understands it. So I r- I really liked the the fact that not only did she comfort Alex, she comforted Jean as well because she had been <laughs> kind of cutthroat with him and was threatening to quit the deo so it was nice to see that she had forgiven him as well
1: it was understandable that she was upset but i felt like after a certain point it i just didn't want her to just keep being mad at hank anymore yeah (laughs) it's like this is just like it was just like really sad they couldn't even have a civil conversation without it kind of getting you know without the subject kind of turning to that, you know, to Astra's death in some way or like getting really passive aggressive <laughs> like on Kara's end. <laughs> I, was, I was like, okay, like let's you know, I'm glad to see that at least in part they're gonna be able to move past it and that, you know, Hank obviously doesn't hold anything against Kara for being upset and they had all had a nice little moment there at the end. So Yeah,
0: he he took a lot of the brunt for yeah. Alex and so I, I think that says a lot about his character and how much he's willing to take for Alex, So I, I think that says a lot about Martian Man- Manhunter, and I was glad to see that. Well, some other people who dealt with some secrets and lies in this episode were James and Lucy. And Kara, to an extent, was part of this sort of secrets and lies triangle that was going on. What did you think about the breakup between James and Lucy over his interaction with Supergirl? Even though James really wanted to tell Lucy and, and Kara gives him permission at the end that, hey, you can tell her I'm Supergirl, but they still called it quits. What did you think about that? I mean,
1: as far as I, I'm i concerned, I feel like they should have broken up a long time ago. <laughs> um, unfortunately, I, uh, I was reading other people's tweets last night about as I was watching the episode and live tweeting and I don't remember who it was, but somebody on my timeline made the point of, you know, saying it's, it's noble that James was trying to, to stay in the relationship was trying to do a good, the good thing by staying with her. But when you stay in a relationship for the wrong reasons, it makes the situation even worse. So then, you know, it's unfortunate because, you know that they still care about each other there's no there's no question that james and lucy care about each other but i feel like in terms of the love and the romance it just wasn't really there anymore so i feel like it was a good decision in the end but i think it was something that should have happened a long time ago
0: (laughs) do you think if james had gotten the chance to tell lucy that Kara was supergirl and that that's kind of why he was spending a lot of time with her do you think that would have made a difference
1: I don't know. I mean, I think she can tell that he has feelings for Kara and so even if uh she she knew that Kara was Supergirl, I don't know. I don't think it would necessarily change anything because she would, you know, the the feeling is still there.
0: And it is telling that she f- sort of puts that together because of the story that James told Kara about his dad and the camera and everything, and and I thought it was cool that it went back to that story because we've we've seen that conversation, that wasn't just something that happened off screen. We were witness to that conversation, so I, I liked going back into the <laughs> the short history that we have of the show. They're they're still kind of pulling from that continuity, so I liked that in, in a weird way that showed how much. James cared about Cara that he was willing to tell her something that he wasn't even willing to tell his girlfriend um, just because it shows the the connection between Cara and James. And I guess if I was Lucy, I would probably have a hard time with that because you would think that he would tell Lucy that stuff. But, uh, yeah, I don't know if it would have made a difference or not. It's It's a really interesting question because... Now I don't know what this means for Lucy. You know, is she going to stay at Catco even though she's broken up with James? And there's that weird stuff with Cara. You know, that's going to be that's going to make the workplace a little awkward from here <laughs> on out. So I am wondering if Lucy decides to go back into her military background with her dad. So uh, I'm curious to see what this this means for Lucy because she made a point that she hates liars. I, I think she handled the breakup as well as, as could be, but I don't know if she's going to have any sort of bitterness towards Carr or not. But I, I like that James was trying to be honest with her. He he was at least trying to do the right thing, and I think that was good for his, his character, even though it didn't kind of work out for them.
1: Yeah, I'd be interested to see if, after this breakup now, if we get a really interesting, kind of juicy character arc for Lucy, because I feel like, over the last 15 episodes. We, I mean, we've gotten more of her, but I always felt like her scenes were really just in the context of her relationship with James or, you know, being in that kind of world, the Katko world. I mean, we, we saw her do a little bit of her military stuff, but it was always kind of in relation to, or in some way were revolving around like what James was doing too. So I'd like to see her be able to break out more and maybe even get some kind of separate storyline for her outside of that relationship.
0: I would love that as well. I hope we get to see where Lucy goes from here. And in terms of (laughs) liars and people who were not maybe being as faithful to their uh, significant other as they could be, we also got the mention of this diamond uh, website and the fact that there's this thumb drive that gets sent to cat grant and surprisingly to, or at least to me she doesn't want to print it and i was curious as to what you thought about that since i know you're um you know you work for a, a high profile website the mary sue and so and you're an editor you kind of have to make some decisions about what to run you know stories to run and things like that What did you think about Kat's decision not to... I mean, she she doesn't even want to have anything to do with that thumb drive. She's like, throw it in the microwave and destroy it. What did you think about that?
1: It's one thing, I think, to kind of come across a story where you get the news and then you feel like you can kind of do a thorough job reporting it, but they get this thumb drive, like, anonymously mailed to the company... And I don't, I mean, it's, it's, it, it calls back to all these hacks that have happened in the past on the internet, you know, all, people's information that gets leaked. And, you know, they, they reference Ashley Madison, which was an actual hack that happened. It was similar, uh, the real version of this Diamond Discretions website where people's personal information was leaked on the internet. And so you see all these people that were using this website to do some, not great things, and you know, thought that it was confidential. and it's interesting because I think it brings up the question of like you put all this information out there about yourself on the internet, like how safe is it really? And you know, so I kind kind of respect Cat in a way for not wanting to comb through that thumb drive and release that information. Um, I feel like to some extent she still she has journalistic integrity. Um, <laughs> you know, and, and in last week's, I think it was last week's episode, she the, the whole scene with James where she talks about the story that she had the opportunity to report on about the successful, it was like it was a successful businessman and... It was his, an I, actor. That's right. Yep. And she talks about how she thinks about it every day and, you know, so I think to some extent she still does want, she wants to do honest reporting and so... I can respect her for not wanting to take something that's been anonymously and I guess I guess you could argue illegally obtained and you know put it out there without anyone's you know because these people didn't exactly consent to have their information right taken. So I I, I liked that, but then it's interesting because you see Siobhan take the thumb drive and you're like, what's she gonna do with that? <laughs>
0: Yeah, I like your point that maybe the story about the actor, you know, abusing his wife and then later in, you know, he ends up killing her. And I, I think that that maybe informed her decision on what she did with the thumb drive. I, I like your point. I, 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 I would like to think that maybe she's learned from her, her past mistakes and is trying to do the right thing and, and the right thing not only for herself, but for these people. And I really liked that this whole storyline was in connection to Indigo. I liked the the way that they, sto- in story, connected it to this General Mathers, who had access to the nuclear launch sites. I liked that... Um, they even sort of tied it thematically into what was happening in the episode with all these characters like the note that comes to Kat says make the liars pay for their lies make the cheaters feel the pain of their betrayal and I just thought that that sort of summed up kind of what was happening and all the choices that people had to make throughout the episode you know Lucy having to deal with James and how she sort of felt a little betrayed and Alex and Kara and how Kara could have, you know, made made her feel the pain of her betrayal and her lies, but she chose to forgive. And and Indigo, I think, is a character who probably would have wanted to make the liars pay for their lies and and do all sorts of bad stuff. But it was interesting to see that that note, I I think, sort of tied into the characters and their choices in this episode. And I also, you mentioned how Indigo shows up on Kat's monitors, my, my beloved monitors in Kat's office, and she calls Kat the queen of all media. And I thought that was really interesting because that was in the Livewire episode. And I wondered, because... I don't know. I sort of got some, some weird vibes. Like, I don't know if she's connected to Livewire. Siobhan, like you said, was acting a little shady. I don't know if all of this is somehow connected. If, if Indigo just found Kara knew she worked at CatCo and that's why she did what she did or maybe she had some help I don't know but it did seem to be a little shifty um but I did like I did like the use of indigo showing up on cat's monitors because that is a really scary image and the fact that I would be a kind of scared if I was cat to go in my office sometimes like I probably would not I'm, I'm kind of a scaredy cat by nature anyway, but I probably would not go into that office by myself anymore because who knows what supervillain is going to pop up on those monitors. It's, a, it's happened to her twice now. but uh, So that's why I really respect Kat. She's not afraid of whoever's on the other side of that monitor. So I I thought that was really fun. And we sort of briefly hit on Siobhan, but what did you think about this? This is her second episode now. And we kind of have seen a little bit of character progression for her. Uh, what, did, what did you think about what she was doing and how she was portrayed in this episode?
1: Uh, I like that we got more dimensions to her character. Um, they're starting to round her out a little more. So she's not quite the mean girl stereotype that we saw, you know, last week. Um, <laughs> during my live tweet, I made a joke that during the like her first scene with Wynn when he helps her with the copier was like you know maybe maybe i smell some romance (laughs) brewing and then they kissed at the elevator actually i think they were kind of making out a little bit and um, i was like ah like because part of me is really glad that win could potentially i I mean we know how it's gonna end up with siobhan not great but (laughs) i i'm glad that they are giving him Maybe a, a little bit of a distraction, so he's not sitting in the corner like pining over Kara and yeah. what could have been. Um, so that, and I like that they're, they're dynamic. I feel like the actors have really good chemistry, they, they play off each other really well. So that was kind of just a little fun set of scenes between the two of them. It broke up the episode a little bit from all the really serious, like indigo stuff and then like the, the really devastating yeah, <laughs> like yeah, yeah. catharsis at the end um, but the other the thing that I didn't like about it was I kind of felt like it played into the stereotype of like this guy listened to me talk about my daddy issues and mm-hmm. so now I feel like you know now we're going to make out like it was kind of like uh, I don't know like is it too much of a trope to like that we've seen before where the mean girl kind of is Willing to like, I don't know, like, I, cause I don't, I don't think they're gonna be in a relationship at all. But it's like the mean girl with the with the guy that listens to her, and then right. you know, so then she's like, willing to open up, but then you know, she kisses him and then goes, "If you tell anyone, I'll kill you," like that <laughs> kind of thing. I mean, I, I think the show is smart enough that, and especially knowing what we know about what, where Siobhan is gonna go as a character, that they're gonna probably put some kind of really good twist on it but it was a little disappointing i don't know i had mixed feelings overall <laughs> yeah <laughs> to make n- a long story short
0: <laughs> yeah i can i can understand that it was a little tropey and it was a little tropey. not in just in terms of like their relationship and why she kisses him at the end but the daddy issues and all that but in some ways i did like that because wen could share his experience with someone and yeah. and identify with somebody cuz i think you know, Cara has a good family. You know, James, we we don't know so much about his family life, so we can't really make a judgment call on that. And, of course, you know, Lucy's got daddy issues. But I I think it was nice to see when being able to take his, <laughs> I guess, personal tragedy, if I, if I can borrow a still Magnolia's term, um, I kind of want to say it in a really southern accent, but i'm not I'm gonna spare everybody uh, <laughs> my personal tragedy. Um, <laughs> you did it. I did it anyway. Um, if you haven't seen Sto my noise, you need to watch it. Um, but Wynn could take his personal tragedy and kind of help somebody else with it. And I thought that was that the, the, that part of it was good, and I liked that. and I thought it was interesting that over the course of the episode, we kind of see. Kara, even though Siobhan treats her like crap, you know, she calls her Kara just like Kat does. Um, She calls her Tweedle dumb and and Kara's like, I can throw her into space. (laughs) You know, like, Siobhan doesn't treat her very well, but Kara kind of saves her butt a couple of times in the episode. So I thought that was great, that even though (laughs) Kara doesn't really like her, she's willing to step in and help her out, just like Supergirl should. So, I I enjoyed the fact that we're getting more from Siobhan, we're learning more about her history and her as a character, and I I like the way they've, even down to her wardrobe, I've noticed she wears a lot of blacks, a lot of black and white, um, a lot of kind of crazy patterns and things, so I I think they're even sort of hinting the silver banshee within her wardrobe, so I really like what they've done with Siobhan so far.
1: Yeah, the only only part with Wynne, and this doesn't even have anything to do with Wynne really, but when Cat called him Toy Man Junior, oh yeah, uh, like I love Cat, but it just felt so unnecessary. It was just felt it almost felt like a little mean, especially Good, yeah. given how how you know Win's feelings about his dad, and it's like there's so many issues there, and it's just like oh, like that was a low blow. That <laughs> was a low blow, Cat.
0: <laughs> but I think it says a lot about. When as a character that he's able to rise above that, he knows he knows that Kat is just saying mean things to say mean things. Like maybe he's so used to it that he just kind of lets it roll off him. So I I think that says speaks a lot to his character that he wouldn't take that personally and that he would still try to help everybody even if she was mean to him. So (laughs) I I agree with with you that though that was a little bit of a low blow, but good for when not giving in to um, her being mean to him well what are your overall thoughts about Solitude um, what did you think about it and did you like it
1: I the last scene I, my, was probably my favorite or at least this well it, was the, I don't know, it wasn't the last last scene but the scene with Alex Kara and Hank Right. and then the rest of it I felt like it was just really fun Indigo was just a really fun character and kind of sassy <laughs> and like she's <laughs> just like a little bit naughty and fun, so I just thought that was like a nice little, a nice little treat for you know, and and also a little bit of a break. Um, I I I don't know if it's uh, if it's I, mm, I guess I could say you could say it's it was a little bit lighter overall in tone than some of the last episodes have been. So it was a, I felt like it was a nice little a nice little uh, shift. From some of the more serious episodes we've had
0: yeah i think this is one of my favorite episodes of the season and i enjoyed all of the geeky things that were in it all of the little easter eggs but also the character stuff was really good all of the emotional beats that played out the the way characters handled things i think were really great um i loved even the the little things like and and since you and and morgan have been talking with me about adventures of supergirl Uh, the digital comic series, based on this series, this TV series. Um, If you're not listening to our episodes about Adventures of Supergirl, you should do it and buy the comic because it's great. But the beginning of the episode where Kara wakes up to her alarm clock, it actually reminded me of Adventures of Supergirl number three when Kara actually talks about how falling asleep is easier than waking up. And uh, I I sort of now, having read the comic and, and watching the show at the same time, it's kind of neat to see sort of how things are sort of maybe played a little bit with each other. And I think that's because, you know, S- Sterling had some of the, the scripts to kind of check out before he started writing his comics. So I, I think I see sort of, you know, him playing a little bit with that in the comics. So I, I liked that. And they're just like some really superficial things I really loved about this episode like the the mason jar lights in cars. Yes. Apartments.
1: Yeah. I was like, that was a nice little thing.
0: Where can I get those? I would like those are really cool. And there was even um, the truck that almost crashes into the family's car uh, has a license plate on the front of it that says Plastino which is a nod to Supergirl co-creator Al Plastino which is really cool. And fun fact if you're into fun nerdy trivia facts Al Plastino also had a hand in creating Brainiac and the Legion of superheroes who also played parts in this episode. So I thought that was a really nice little Easter egg. And they talked about Fort Pemberton, which I had to look up and in on the show, it's a site targeted by Indigo, but in real history, in real us history, it's a large Confederate fort that was in the civil war in South Carolina. And I was like, Hmm, that's a random thing for them to talk about. But then I saw the Michael Bailey, our friend Michael Bailey from uh, all sorts of podcasts, Radio KAL, Views from the Long Box, you name it, Michael Bailey podcast about it. He tweeted, uh, "Quote: Pretty sure Fort Pemberton is a, is a reference to Sylvester Pemberton, the Star Spangled Kid, who was co created by Jerry Siegel, who was also one of the uh, co creators of Superman." So uh, I would like to think that that's the Fort Pemberton that they <laughs> were referencing and maybe not the Civil War era fort because I thought that was a little random. But uh, it was a, a fun little thing that they put in there. And I like that we find out that Kara is a Harry Potter fan. Stuff like that is really fun. And the the big thing that I really like nerded out over at the – because it was at the very end of the episode, Non, when you see him in that black room, with the parts of indigo he has an ama- omega hedron or a Hedron. i think they say it both ways in supergirl the movie but i was like what how did that show up in there that's such a that's such a fun reference because that thing plays such a big part in supergirl the movie and i'm curious to see if we see that pop up in any more episodes so lots of fun superman and supergirl references in this episode so i nerded out about all of that and My geek flooded my house. It was great. (laughs) Um, But I think that's going to do it for our discussion. But uh, let's find out what our listeners had to say about
1: solitude. At Craig R. Mac D said, Great to see the fortress, the key, the legion flight ring, and the Omega Hedron. Parentheses, Supergirl movie reference. At Bree Quinn 23 said, Indigo was great, but the ending is what got me. Me too. Uh, <laughs> Alex confessing to Kara about Astra. Kyler's performance was amazing. So true. Uh, also, holy moly, the Fortress of Solitude. <laughs> the Key, Kellex, Legend Ring. Man, they had a bit of everything from comics. At Child Golden says, it was a really exciting episode all the way to the end. At like a ditzy do says so much geek porn. (laughs) Best episode since human for a day. I can't think of anything I didn't absolutely love. At M Miller tech view says tears in my eyes for the love of all that is good. That was amazing. (laughs) At paradox kid says solitude felt like a perfect blend of action, humor, and definitely heart. Think it's now my favorite episode. All the actors killed it. At Jennifer McEl47 says, Great emotional scene with Alex, Supergirl, Martian Manhunter. Laura Vandervoort was great at playing Indigo. At M. Tiesten says, Great to see some pre-Earth flashbacks. The fortress looked awesome and Indigo was kick-ass. At K. Dawson 424 says, I keep getting blown away by these emotional scenes with Kara, John, and Alex. Just wow. (laughs) (laughs) At Call Me Topes says, it was absolutely amazing. The fortress, the tension, indigo. These were the high parts of this episode. At Bruinsfan3725 says, The last scene with Kara, Alex, and John was probably the most emotional I've ever seen in television. At Madtown Davidson says, Dwarf Star Matter, Fortress of Solitude Key, Legion Ring, backstory for how Kara got out of the Phantom Zone. What an episode. I'm telling you, all the <laughs> stuff that they dropped in
0: here was awesome. People were eating it up.
1: Yep. At Reggie Mantlell says, I was a little worried over how Astra's death would be resolved. Then we got the scene we did. Hashtag stronger together. So good. (laughs) Uh, At Kenny Crayley says, Great episode. So good. And very emotional at the end. Everybody keeps talking about that scene. It's so good. (laughs) Well, uh, we
0: also have an email from a listener named Dylan who asks... Quote, did Indigo say apocalypse with an L-Y-P-S-E or apocalypse with a K-A-L-I-P-S? Um, could Dark Side be the season two villain? And uh, that's a good question. She's, she did say, let me look at my notes. What did she say exactly? Yeah, Indigo says to Nan, see you after the apocalypse. So I think technically she just meant apocalypse like boom, destruction of the earth. But sometimes when these things happen, especially in a uh, super family-related story, you know, you can't rule out Darkseid. You can't rule out Apocalypse, the um, the place where the parademons and Granny Goodness and the female Furies live. You can't uh, rule it out totally. And I personally—Darkseid is awesome, but he might be maybe a Justice League villain in the movie universe, I'm hoping— Um, But I hope that Supergirl, if they ever do go to Apocalypse, I hope we do get to see Granny Goodness and the Female Furies. I think that would be a really fun way to do Apocalypse, but keep it Supergirl-centric and keep it sort of, you know, female villain-centric. That would be awesome, so... I hope we get to see that, Dylan. That would be cool. Um, Dylan also says, I'm also surprised that with the Legion ring appearing, no mention was made of Brainy. He's the best Brainiac. And so uh, Dylan is talking about Brainiac 5, who I also love as well. There's no mention of him, but that does not mean we won't get him sometime in the future. I'm not going to lose hope on that one.
1: Uh, We also have an email from Derek who asks, quote, are Wynn and James a part of the DEO now? Which, I, I mean, we talked about this a little bit earlier in the podcast but i think yes i mean they're they're pretty much given uh, i would say almost full access to things i mean they (laughs) give win pretty much unrestricted access to the computer and james seems like he's walking around all over the place like he just walks into the deo so i i feel like they're maybe unofficial team members now at the very least yeah, I think Wynn is
0: more of a DEO guy than James is, just because we do see Wynn interacting with the DEO agents a little more. But you're right, James does seem to kind of come in and go uh, when he pleases. So, I don't know, we'll see. I don't know if uh, if, if that means Wynn's going to have to, you know, meet the dress code with the black shirt and the black pants. I mean, if he's, <laughs> he's going to work at the DEO, he needs to wear the right clothes, so, yeah, it's kind of fun to see Wynn in the DEO and kind of being in that set and that environment, so I like that a lot. Well, and our last email comes from Gregory, who writes, quote, I am so totally shipping Siobhan and Wynn. I'm glad that he finally has a woman who recipro- reciprocates his attraction to her, unquote. And I think that's really a really good point, and I think you mentioned earlier, Carly, that now he's sort of, he doesn't have to just sit around and kind of deal with his feelings for Kara. He can kind of move on, and I guess he's (laughs) sort of doing that with Siobhan a little
1: bit. It was just so funny, because in the scene, you watch you watch the series of expressions go over Wynn's face when she, when Siobhan kisses him, like he, he's <laughs> not really sure what she's doing at first. And then he's like, should I be into this? And then at the end he just kind <laughs> of like dives in.
0: <laughs> yeah. I guess in some ways maybe he has, you know, cause he does have, I think have a little bit of a self-esteem, you know, situation going on. So I think it, it's good for him to see that this, you know, attractive lady uh, finds him attractive and, uh, Kind of wants to be around him, and 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 not just as a friend, as somebody who is actually attracted to him. Uh, although it's going to maybe break his heart later when she turns out to maybe be a supervillain. But uh, but it, for, as for now, I think it's nice for the win character. Well, if you want to contact Supergirl Radio, like all of our listeners that we just. Um, read emails and tweets from you can email us at supergirlradio at gmail.com. You can post a comment on our website at supergirlradio.com You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram, all at Supergirl Radio and we have become a literal Supergirl Radio on Spotify so check out our playlist. We've got some cool songs that are featured in the show that have to do with Supergirl that have to do with Superman, with superheroes Um, so we've got a great playlist that is there so that if you want to collaborate and add things you can do that as well so it's it's been really neat to see listeners add to that playlist so definitely check it out because this is a playlist for all of the fans of the show and all of our listeners would you say it is a super playlist it is a super (laughs) super girl radio playlist
1: (laughs) we are available on itunes and stitcher so if you have time we encourage you to give us a rating and write a review Thanks to user Writing Bean for leaving us a review on iTunes. Yes, that's awesome. And we are
0: part of the DC TV Podcast Circle. So if you also like Gotham Arrow, The Flash, Legends of Tomorrow, and even DC Movies, subscribe to our DC TV Podcast Megafeed and follow at DCTV Podcasts on Twitter and like DCTV Podcasts on Facebook.
1: You can find me on Twitter at Equivocarly. That's E-Q-U-I-V-O-C-A-R-L-Y. I Uh, I am also weekend editor and occasional week writer, weekday writer at themarysue.com. And that's pretty much it. cool and uh, I never mentioned this
0: before but I love your Twitter username it's very creative <laughs> and unique so it's very cool it's very punny. Um, yes <laughs> and, and well on Super Roll Radio it's kind of a, dr- a tradition to be very punny on this podcast so um, you fit right in um, and as far as uh, as me as far as for how you can get in touch with me you can follow me on Twitter at derbykid. that's D-E-R-B-Y-K-I-D and watch videos I've shot and edited on my YouTube channel at YouTube.com slash milk prod uh, that's d-u-c-k-m-i-l-k-p-r-o-d
1: if you'd like to stick around for a quick spoiler section about the next episode of supergirl we'll be doing that after our theme music but until next time i'm still rebecca johnson and i'm still carly lane on your next trip to the fortress of solitude remember that nobody likes a backseat flyer
0: Back. And while we don't have a new promo for what's coming up on Supergirl, we do have an official description for the next episode titled Falling,
1: which will air on March 14th. The official description says, quote, Kara turns on her friends and the citizens of National City after being exposed to red after being exposed to red kryptonite makes her malicious and dangerous. Also, Kat appears on the talk to discuss Supergirl, end quote.
0: So, Carly, what in this description uh, has you most excited about the next episode? So much. Um,
1: <laughs> well, first, the Red Kryptonite, which we've talked about uh, before off podcast. But I, I'm i excited to see how Supergirl is going to handle the Red Kryptonite because it's a really big part of the Superman mythos. Um, and other, sh- we've seen it on other shows. We've seen it on Smallville. We've seen it, you know. Uh, it, it was
0: it was on Lois and Clark, the new adventure <laughs> of Superman film. That's right. As well.
1: mm-hmm. That's right. And uh, so I'm really excited because they released some promo photos, and it looks like it's going to change a lot about Kara, even down <laughs> to the way she dresses. So um, I yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to see how Melissa Benoist plays Red Kryptonite Kara differently. Um, I feel like that's probably going to be a fun little a fun little thing for her as an actress to kind of get to play with the character a little bit. Also curious about, so it it says that Kat appears on the talk. Is that like the actual real TV show, the talk, or is that the fictional talk? No,
0: this is very much a CBS synergy situation (laughs) happening here where Kat goes on the actual CBS show, the talk. (laughs) Um, I I sort of don't like that because I've seen this, you know, I always talk about The Young and the Restless on this podcast. People are just going to have to deal with it. I love soap operas. <laughs> um, but on The Young and the Restless, which is also on CBS, they do this sometimes where they will... Um, have, you know, Jack Abbott, who's the head of Jabot Cosmetics, he will go on the talk, you know, as his character, and he'll go on this talk show, and I'm like, ah, this this just rigs of CBS synergy between the two shows, I don't like it, but um, it will be interesting to see what Kat talks about when she goes on the talk, and what the ladies of the talk have to say about whatever this is. So I'm curious as to see, because we know Kat is the queen of all media, and this is, you know, we, we know about, you know, Cat Co. and the magazines and the websites and all of that, but to know that she's going to be, you know, appearing on television, that is something that I'm very curious about. And also with the red kryptonite, like you said, it has been in different incarnations and different TV shows. Um, But in some of those shows, the Red Kryptonite has different effects, and it um, has a different purpose. Uh, Like, say, Lois and Clark, The New Adventures of Superman, Red Kryptonite was a little bit different than it was on Smallville. So I'm curious as to see how they will use it on Supergirl. It does seem to make her a little meaner, um, which is definitely going to be different. Um, (laughs) uh, But I do think that that will give Melissa Benoit something fun to play. So. That episode seems to have a lot of interesting things in it, so that'll be a fun one to talk about. Well, thanks for listening, and we'll be back with another episode discussion next time on Supergirl Radio.